Thank you, Brother Jones. Heavenly Father, as we come now to the preaching of your word, I pray that you'd bless as I complete uh, the message that I began uh, this morning, a subject I believe uh, to be most important, and Lord, probably a subject that we do not uh, hear preached on enough and probably do not think enough about. And so I pray that you would help us, that our attention would be given and would be given on purpose and with purpose for you to speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our text verse is verse number 14 of Exodus 34. The Bible says, For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. To understand that, we must understand, first of all, our purpose as a child of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible tells us to love the Lord our God. He tells the children of Israel it was God that brought them out of the land of Egypt to give them the land of Canaan, and they should then first love the Lord, second of all, have no other gods before them. Not have God first, but God the only one that they love and that they worship. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength that this is the first commandment. If we understand what our purpose in life is, we can understand that God is our creator and God is our savior. We belong to him because he is our creator and our redeemer. We can then understand the instruction that God gives us on how to live the Christian life. Are you with me tonight? Now, if we miss the fact that God created us and we miss the fact that God redeemed us and bought us back, God gave his only begotten son, not for good man, but for sinful man. And if we understand that God has bought us, he has redeemed us, then we can understand what the Bible means when it tells us that God is a jealous God. Now, the action and passion of jealousy is usually exercised in a sinful manner. But jealousy in and of itself is not necessarily sinful. I think we would understand the phrase virtuously or virtuous jealous or virtuous, virtuous jealousy. We are jealous or we are zealous for God and for right. We want to protect what is ours. For example, we would not want the wrong crowd to influence our children. We are jealous of their love and rightfully so. We don't want them to love the world. We don't want them to love sinful things that would harm them or bring destruction. So we watch over them. 
as Paul did the church at Corinth when he wrote to them in the second letter. In chapter 11, he said in verse number 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We must remember that jealousy, like anger, is not evil in itself or it could never be ascribed to the character of God. But God, His jealousy is ever pure and His jealousy is a holy and a righteous jealousy. Now we understand that the passion of jealousy is the most intense emotion that we can experience. You let someone attempt to hurt or to steal or take the affection of one that you love, there is an anger like no other anger. There is an emotion of protection like no other that wells up in us wanting to protect what is rightfully ours. Solomon reminds us in the book of Proverbs chapter 6 verse 34, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Wrath is cruel, he says in Proverbs 27, 4, and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before uh, envy? Now here is the message statement. Don't miss this statement. The state and behavior of jealousy is chosen as a picture of God's character and God's response toward anything that threatens to challenge or replace God's deity. He is God. Or replace God's sovereignty. He is the ruler of the world and of mankind. Or of God's glory. So the Bible describes God in His character and His behavior as a jealous God. And when you look at Scripture, among other things, there are at least three things that God is actively jealous of. That is His deity, being God. That is His sovereignty, the ruler of the world. And that is His glory. You see, every good thing is from God. It may have been given to us through the hands of another, but God is the giver of every good gift. Paul said in the book of Philippians, as he thanked the people, he began by saying, I thank God that he has used you to meet my need. He appreciated the people being willing to do what God had directed them to do. But Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Or God has given to me all that I need. Now, the only way we can understand God's character is to use words, emotions, or pictures, or behaviors that we know and relate to. So we understand what Nahum meant when he said, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. Perhaps that's the difference in a godly jealousy and your and my right to jealousy. While I have the responsibility and right to protect what is mine, I do not have the right as God does for vengeance. 
because I cannot properly judge as God, the just God, can. So I am to forgive, though I work to protect what is mine. God is a God of jealousy and, the Bible says, the Lord revengeth. He repeats the phrase, the Lord revengeth, and he says, and is furious. If I said of a man, I said, I saw him outside and he was mad. If I said he was angry, or if I said I saw a man outside and he was furious, that is almost anger out of control. It is expressive anger. The Bible says God's jealous. The Bible says that God revengeth and is furious. The Bible says the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Please remember this note. Satan works to dethrone God, to steal his rule and his glory from him, not by asking if he can sit on the throne of our life because we're not tempted to let the devil run our life, but we are tempted, as was Adam and Eve, to rule our own lives so Satan deceives us and I repeat, the only good Satan ever gave was used as bait in a trap to deceive us that he may destroy us. God does not give good to deceive. God gives good to bless us and express his love toward us. And so Satan tempts me not by saying, let me run your life. Let me be God. Let me be ruler. Let me have the glory. I'm not tempted in that. So what Satan says is, you have the right to run your life. It's your life. That is a lie of the devil. That has been used to destroy more lives. You and I are not our own. We are bought with a price. We belong to him. And so I say tonight, and I'll move quickly here, the Lord is jealous of his deity. Exodus 34 connects a command with the character of God. The Bible says in the first commandment, have no other gods before us. And then he says in Exodus 34, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Since he is the creator of heaven and earth, he will not permit any creature of his own hands or of a creature's imagination to be placed on the throne that belongs to him and him only. How do we feel when someone attempts to steal away a love or a devotion that belongs to us? How do you feel towards someone that would turn a teenager's heart from dad and mom? How do you feel when someone would turn the love of a spouse away from you toward them? By the way, the devil's never looked to build a relationship. The devil's only looked to destroy relationships. You guard your marriage. You guard your family against the wiles of the devil. When we think of the jealousy that we feel, if someone is too friendly 
or inappropriate with someone in our family. As I use the illustration this morning and the, the story I heard again this afternoon in Virginia, a girl was raped by a man that was dressed as a woman and protected to go into a girl's restroom. He was moved from that school to another school in Virginia and he did the same thing. Now how would you feel if your daughter was violated by that type of behavior? As I said this morning, I hear a few clicks of guns and shells going into the chamber. You say, hey, that's my girl. Can I tell you something? God is looking down from heaven tonight and saying, you belong to me. I bought you with a price. I gave my son that you would belong to me. Think then, how would God feel for people to despise him and say to Moses, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? It was better when we were in Egypt eating leeks, garlic, and onion. How would God feel to be despised for such vegetables. Think of how God must feel when something he made for himself sets up another thing to worship and praise rather than the one who formed it. It is a wonder that God has not already brought the world to destruction. Romans 1.23, the Bible says, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The psalmist said in Psalm 115 and verse number 5, they have mouths but they speak not, eyes they have but they see not. God has been so long suffering toward men and patiently endures our oft rebellion and all what patience God has to restrain the fury of his jealousy, he being a jealous God, divine jealousy over those of us that belong to him but would worship something that has been created rather than the creator. It was divine jealousy that moved God to bring all of the plagues on Egypt. When you read the word of God about the plagues, you find that they were all aimed, don't miss this, as the things they made gods in Egypt. They made these things gods. Now it's ridiculous to me in my thinking, it's hard for me to fathom that someone wouldn't make a god out of a frog. Or God out of a God out of anything. But I tell you why they do that, because frogs require nothing from you. That's why folks go to these go to these so-called churches that don't preach the Bible because they're looking for someone that will tell them. You be God of your life and you decide what's right. You worship God according to the dictates of your heart. My Bible doesn't tell me to worship God according to the dictates of my heart. He tells me to worship him according to the instruction that he has given me in his word to love him and to worship him. The people were tormented by the things that they had made to, they had made to be their deities. Exodus 12, 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. 
Was it not the same with the nation of Israel? Why were they, God's people, brought so low and to destruction before their enemies? Why was their land so often invaded? Why did famine follow pestilence and war succeed to famine? The Bible answers the question in Psalm 78. They provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. How was it that the Lord gave up that holy city to Jerusalem to destruction and brought in the and, and he brought in the wicked Chaldeans to carry into captivity the remnant of his people that he loved so much he called them the apple of his eye. I'll tell you why. Don't miss it. They would not be faithful to worship God on the Sabbath and they worked to make more of the blessing that only God could give them. How was it that he abhorred his own heritage and gave up Mount Zion to be trodden under the foot, underfoot by the Gentiles? Jeremiah said it plainly when he said they had walked after other gods and forsaken Jehovah. Therefore, he would cast them out into a land which they knew not. The whole history of the human race is a record of, the, of wars of the Lord against idolatry. Don't, don't, don't be angry at God. You protect what belongs to you. You hold on that which belongs to you. And when you work and when you earn something, rightfully so, you have the right to use that according to the instruction of the word of God. If God created and God redeemed man, he has the right to be worshipped as the God that he is. The Bible says the right hand of the Lord hath dashed in pieces the enemy and cast the ancient idols to the ground. Look at the heaps in Nineveh. They had no power, though they were wicked people and they worked to destroy those that had faith in God. They were used just as a tool in the hand of God. Search for the desolations of Babylon. Look at the broken temples in Greece. See the ruins of pagan Rome. See the places that once claimed to be the emperors and the empires of the world that ruled the world. They didn't rule the world. They just thought they ruled the world. God rules the world and he's jealous toward anyone that would declare they have taken God's place. Journey where you will and you'll behold dilapidated temples of the gods and the ruined empires of their foolish devotion to unknown gods. Moles and bats have covered with forgetfulness the once famous deities of Chaldea and Assyria. And Isaiah said, The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And our world today is moving quickly as the Bible tells us that they will toward a one world government and a one world religion. And they'll choose an antichrist that promises peace that will turn into war and promise prosperity that will turn into poverty. And God will do the same thing with the Antichrist that he's done with all the other wicked nations of the world that claim to be God. 
Think of the wrath and indignation the Lord must have as he looks down on the churches and sanctuaries so-called that are filled with pictures and images, relics and shrines and see poor infatuated people taught to bow before them and take their pennies and give to them with a hope they could make it in eternal life. I've been in the buildings that house statues of a dead Jesus and a host of other statues and I've watched his people, uh, uh, paupers on the outside would work to earn a few pennies that they may give it to a church hoping in exchange they could have the salvation of their soul. How sad it is to realize and then to think the scripture tonight how full the cup of judgment is that they must drink and the day is coming quickly when the Lord will avenge himself and because of her iniquities have reached unto heaven and hath blasphemously exalted people as a vicar of heaven when God and God alone is the only God of the world. Think of the jealousy the Lord has regarding the multitude of people in this country who have another God beside himself. With what indignation he looks at the many who have subjected themselves to the prince of the power of the air. Think of the reasons for our worship. Why are we here tonight? Why do we pray? Is it to worship the Jehovah God and creator of the world? Is it to sing and bring attention and give high praise to the savior of the world? Many today of gods of custom, fashion, habits, business, pleasure, ambition, personal honor, and selfish gain. Over the last year, many have asked me the question, Preacher, why do you think the presidential election turned out the way it did? We know God is in control. We're concerned about the integrity of the election but regardless, we have what we have and we still conclude that God is in control and has permitted this to happen in our nation. Let me testify and offer an opinion. As I traveled and preached across America over the last 25 years, I watched as Christians came in greater attendance to church services and use the altar with a greater frequency during the days of the months prior to the presidential election. Christians were moved to prayer for America and believed that God could make the difference for our nation. And I just wonder, I just pose the question, could it be was our prayer not satisfied in God himself and God jealous of one that we had more respect and care for than God himself. I wonder why the same fervency and frequency of prayer and praise has not been made in the days and months since the days of the election. Is God a jealous God? Is God in control? Certainly he is. 
could it be that we would have occasion to use the altar to try to get what we want from God instead of telling God that we're satisfied in Him? And I believe we're to choose people to lead and represent that represent good and truth and right. However, folks, we're to love God first. We're to worship God first. It doesn't matter who the president is, we ought to be in our place of worship. It doesn't matter who the president is, God's worthy of my praise. What if I lived in a communist country that never had any hope of freedom? Are those folks not supposed to praise God today? As I've heard from pastors around the world today, as I do every week, in countries that do not have freedom to preach and do what we're doing tonight, is it not right for them to praise God? They have no hope of freedom that America has and has had. Is it that we use God to get what we want rather than God being what we want? I'm not too sure we even think much of this truth that we're to worship God and Him alone and that He's furiously jealous of whomever or whatever would occupy His place. God is to be first in our lives. Family is important, but not even family is supposed to be worshipped in the place of God. And I would be afraid to use my family as an excuse not to worship my God for fear that I would lose the family that I love. Friends are important. Jobs and work are important. Houses and lands are important. But God alone is to be worshipped. God is too wise for us to try to manipulate him as we would one that is unwise. For you see, God knows just what, not only what I say, he knows the motives of my heart. He's jealous of his deity. He's jealous of his sovereignty. The one to rule our lives. He that made heaven and earth has a right to rule his creatures as he will. The flowers, the trees, the birds, the animals, they've not rebelled against God. They continue in nature as God has given them instruction to do. God gave man a free will and he told man to choose to love him. I believe tonight that God has a right to issue commands and he has done so. And his commands are holy and they're just and they're true and they're right. And I believe that we as men and children of God are bound to obey them. But we often rebel against his sovereignty. And we refuse to obey the instruction of God. And there are those who deny altogether that he is the king of kings. He that sits in the heavens is moved to jealousy by these sins of rebellion against him. Every time we say, I'll do what I want instead of what you say, we're saying, I do not acknowledge God to be my sovereign. Paul said to the church at Corinth, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and ye are not your own? 
for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do we think of who God is? Do we think of him? He's our creator. He's our savior. He's the giver of life. What does his word mean to us? Do we worship him or do we worship what he could do for us? Or do we worship that perhaps he would give us what we want in life? He, sovereign God, deserves my life to be this, a living sacrifice to him. And then I say God is jealous of his glory. Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. God's glory is the result of his nature and his behavior. He is glorious in his character. And God created all things and not just did he create all things, he made everything for his pleasure. The preacher should unrobe himself of every rag of praise. And glory, though he has the opportunity to be the voice, to be the mouthpiece for God, the praise does not belong to the instrument. It belongs to the musician. It does not belong to the voice. It belongs to God. John Bunyan finished a sermon, and a lady said to him, You preached well today, sir. John Bunyan replied, You're too late. The devil told me that before I left the pulpit. Isn't it amazing how we are quick to take glory and credit? It's a hard thing. And unless we preach, unless we read that God is jealous, we will take that glory as a good thing. We won't pay attention to the fact that, wait a minute, God is a jealous God and glory doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. Ah, oh, but now wait a minute. When we get to heaven, God said, I want to share my glory. And as we've taken part in the sufferings of Christ and the work of Christ, so we get to share in the glory of Christ. Perhaps we could earn crowns and rewards for our service, our faithfulness here, not so we can wear them, and so we could cast them at the Savior's feet, for if it were not for the Lamb that was slain, I would burn in the devil's hell for all eternity. And he came to me not when I was lovable, good, and right. He came when we were yet ungodly. Christ died for us. I have rejoiced so many times as you can imagine in the announcement that I made this morning and I came this afternoon and I stood in front, of that, in front of that banner and I said God how many times will you be good and bless a church with miracles like you blessed our church these 30 years I believe the answer is as long as we faithfully serve him and as long as we say, whatever's done, let it be done for the glory of God.
Stand with me tonight. It's a wonderful thing to have a God that's a jealous God. You know, it's a bad thing to be married to somebody that doesn't care. For God to be jealous of me, perhaps, is one of the greatest expressions of God saying, Son, I love you. You belong to me. You're mine. I don't want to give you to anybody else. I paid the price for you to fellowship with me. I sure want to please him. Heavenly Father, thank you.